Today's read, Meditations Across the King's River, African-Inspired Wisdom for Life's Journey, written by James Weeks. Chapter 14, Storms of Transformation. When you plant a garden, you are planting more than just vegetables, fruits, or flowers. You are creating a community. James Alexander Weeks. It was a sunny, tranquil afternoon in Oakland until the text from Uncle Jerry on St. Croix arrived. We are in a predicament, he said. Hurricane Maria was rapidly gathering strength in the Eastern Caribbean and would soon become one of the most intense hurricanes in history. Uncle was hoping my sister or I could fly home to St. Croix to ride out the storm with Mom. We only had a few hours to decide because the airport would be closing in 48 hours. After weighing all options, it became clear neither of us could fly home. Mom would have to go to a hurricane shelter with Sharita, her caregiver from the island of Dominica. Days later, we woke up to news that Hurricane Maria had shown no mercy. After lashing St. Croix with brutal 175-mile-per-hour winds, Hurricane Maria unleashed even more fury on Puerto Rico. We are still emerging from the rubble. We have years of rebuilding ahead of us. Even now, it's hard to fathom how so much destruction happened all at once. Mind-boggling devastation is how the Prime Minister of Dominica described the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. CNN anchor Don Lemon used one word to describe the humanitarian crisis throughout the Caribbean, apocalyptic. In the span of two short weeks, Irma and Maria, two of the most powerful hurricanes in recorded history, wrecked the U.S. and British Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, Dominica, St. Martin, and Barbuda. It was an unforgiving hurricane season. Hurricane Harvey, the first storm of the 2017 year, swept into Houston, Texas, bringing a record 40 inches of rain in four days and leaving 83 people dead. The death toll in Puerto Rico was more than 3,000. For my people, climate change is not an intellectual debate. The evidence is in the rubble staring back at us. We are on the front lines. There are no leaves on the trees. The earth has been raised, scorched. In island after island, there's no electricity, no food, no water, no medicine, and little hope. In Friedrichstead, St. Croix, the town where I'm from, not a single electrical pole was left standing. Climate change is the human rights struggle of our day, says Elizabeth Yampire, an internationally known environmental activist and attorney of Puerto Rican and African descent. Our communities continue to get hit time and time again by climate catastrophe. We can't afford to choose between a Black Lives Matter protest and a climate justice forum because our survival depends on both of them. 
I've only learned of Elizabeth's work recently, but she's been at the forefront of environmental causes for decades. Born and raised in New York City, young Pierre is the co-chair of the Climate Justice Alliance and serves as executive director of UPROSE, Brooklyn's oldest Latinx community-based organization. She's challenging all of us to get involved and to fight back. If Black Lives Matter, so must climate justice, she insists. We have to lead because the demographics look like us. As people of African and indigenous ancestry, we come from societies that protect Mother Earth. Now is the time to reconnect with our old ways. The knowledge is there. It is in our historical memory, says Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre's words take me back to my childhood on St. Croix. Dad was the first environmental activist I knew. His first love was flowers, plants, and trees. It was a lifelong passion that began when he studied agriculture at the age of 17. Our home was a lush oasis of towering coconut, mango, avocado, almond, and orange trees and rare plants that dad collected from all over the island. Visitors marveled at the botanical heaven I was blessed to live in. When mom whisked us kids off with her to church every Sunday, dad usually sat at home on the patio with a cup of tea and a newspaper, occasionally looking up to admire the plants that gave him so much joy. For many years, I assumed Dad wasn't a spiritual man because he rarely spoke of God. I was wrong. Dad's spirituality was evident in his intimacy with the earth and in the many essays he wrote about it that were published in local newspapers. I recently found one of his essays tucked away in a drawer in my bedroom. It's entitled, Return to the Native. Reading it, fills me with pride and gives me a deeper appreciation of who dad was and what he valued. It must have been written decades ago, but even then, dad was voicing concerns about global warming long before it became popular to do so. We can make a difference, he said, by planting more trees. What touches me most in this essay is not just his love for nature, but his desire for all of us to experience this connection too. We must remember not to treat the soil like dirt. It is a command from all the plants of the earth. We must understand our plants and what they have to offer, he wrote. We all have a responsibility to be stewards of the earth, and it seems to me that stewardship begins in our own backyard. It is my hope that we can help farmers and gardeners come back to their plant community, our common roots and their common plant sense, to think and plant locally, said Dad. In addition to Dad, I'm also inspired by the respect other indigenous cultures have for the earth. Yoruba scholar Wande Abimbola says, it's time to revisit an ancient covenant that was made between humanity and nature. To the ancient African mind, animals, plants, and humans were part of one large family. When plants, animals, and birds arrived on earth, a covenant was made which stipulated that no species should greedily exploit the other. 
in the face of the excessive greed, capitalism, and exploitation of the earth, the forests, the oceans, and other creatures of nature, we should ask ourselves the question, isn't it time we made a new covenant? Professor Avimbola is right. We must revisit that covenant. Climate change is a global phenomenon, already swallowing islands, glaciers, and ice caps, and generating more heat waves and floods of unprecedented intensity, says Jacques Leslie, a contributing writer to the Los Angeles Times. Climate change comes with many issues. Gentrification is one of them. Yarimar Bonilla, an outspoken anthropologist from Puerto Rico who has been in the news a lot lately, says, I really fear there's going to be a mass exodus from Puerto Rico. Puerto Ricans are going to leave, and FEMA workers brought in from the United States are going to arrive. More wealthy investors are going to come, and Puerto Rico is no longer going to belong to Puerto Ricans. It will look more and more like Hawaii. Bonilla has a point. Home foreclosures are on the rise in Puerto Rico, and wealthy folks are buying them up. Investors are snapping up properties in the U.S. Virgin Islands, too. In Barbuda, an island about 39 miles from Antigua, a communal land ownership law that was enacted to protect black people after the end of slavery back in 1834, is now being threatened by wealthy developers. As we struggle to rebuild, we must take care of ourselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically. After the passage of hurricanes, Irma and Maria, my sister friends back home encouraged me to look at the storms in a spiritual way. Sangoyomi, also known as Shanare Matthew, a Yoruba priestess, admitted she cried after she saw the condition of her favorite beach after Hurricane Maria, but she also says the energy of hurricanes can be very transformative. You are moving into the unknown every six months. You can move with it, or you can move against it, Sangoyomi tells me philosophically. Moving against it is your unwillingness to surrender, still trying to hold on to everything you've built. You have to be able to step out and say, you know what, I'm adequate to deal with whatever comes. I have the energy, I have the resources to weather the storm. Osontokun, also known as Aria, another Yoruba priestess from St. Croix, says, We can choose to see this crisis as an opportunity. Those of us who have been spared have a responsibility. We have to restore balance and harmony with the earth. We need to wake up. If this is what it takes for us to look up and see the sky, then so be it. Yes, take away the Wi-Fi. Take away the TV. We have to plant more. We have to connect more. Times like these force us to realize how fragile we are and how we're totally at the mercy of the wind, the earth, and the sea. This summer, I plan to do exactly what Osun Tokun suggests. I'm going to plant more, and I'll ask my grandchildren to help. I have tomatoes, strawberries, and zucchini on my mind. I'm sure Dad will be pleased to know that his great-grandchildren are following in his footsteps. My father passed in 2008, but many of the trees he planted, which I watered as a child, still live on, providing shade and fruit for another generation. Pierre Rabai, 
a leading ecologist in France says, to me, cultivating a garden is a political act, an act of legitimate resistance against a system that takes away all possibilities for citizens to survive on their own. In addition to planting trees, St. Croix ecologist and tour guide Olasi Davis says, conserving water is something we can all do to help combat global warming. But the most important shift we can make is in our minds, says Davis. We have to change our attitude. Everything is connected. We have to chip in together. Nature doesn't need us. We need nature. We have to take care of the earth. We don't have a choice. Olasi also says we must study cultures who came before us to learn how they managed their environmental resources and how they dealt with climate catastrophe. The earth is offering us a strong message, says John Perkins in his book, New Confessions of an Economic Hitman. This planet, our home, is demanding that we see her as a living earth. She is not just a mass of rock and soil spinning around in an indifferent sun. She is a biological member of a living universe. What will we do with the message? What will we do with that message, you and I? We have the opportunity to dream a new dream, to explore options for exciting alternative ways of living, for turning failure into success, writes Perkins. When audience members ask me what specifically they can do, I start with, you must follow your passions and use your talents in the most efficient, satisfying, and enjoyable way you can. You can start with your individual behavior, recycling, driving less, turning off lights, shopping, and banking locally. We can join nonprofit and other non-governmental organizations, consumer movements aimed at boycotting specific corporations. We can run for elected office, participate in demonstrations and marches, write blogs, books or articles, make videos or movies. You must take the path that is most effective for you, the one that offers you the greatest joy. Make it fun. Don't burn out.